guys sorry fiddling alex mcdonald in atlanta joined by danielle munoz in atlanta also what's going on dan nothing al how you doing i'm doing well thank you this is the tps report for uh is it it's monday it's december the 19th 2022 well well done nailed it i'm good i'm good with my dates you are uh, good with your dates. My watch is better with dates than I am, so that's why I have a date, a uh, watch. Um, it's good to be back. Thank you all for being here. We'll jump over and say hi to our friends in a second. Um, but first of all, want to thank those folks that came out Saturday to the uh, to the little meetup over at the Celtic Tavern. That was a lot of fun. It was very fun. It was fun, and uh, it was nice to see everybody. So we appreciate it. Thank you for coming out. It was uh, it was a blast. Oh, look, I have to. Somebody either has to make a comment, or Steve I have needs to, to tell us a joke, or I have to get Steve to tell us a joke. Thank you, Steve. We appreciate Good job, it. Steve. Um, who do we have? James Royster's here. What's up, James? Good to see you, brother. Uh, Holly's here. Holly Allison, just hey, from hey, radio. Holly. What's up, Holly? Jeffrey Kukin is here. What's up, brother? Good to hey, see Jen. you again. Uh, Janine Shaner. Janine's here. What's up, Janine? Good hey, to Janine. see you. Joy's with us. Hi, Joy. Hello, sister. Peggy Brown is here. Hey, Peggy. Hey, Peggy. There's Bill Campbell. Semper Fi, brother. Hey, Thanks Bill. for tuning in. Uh, there's your mom. Hi, Rita. Hey, mama. And Mr. Larry Cox. What's up, brother? Good to see you. Hey, Larry. Diamond Dave over on Rumble. What's up, Dave? Good to see you, brother. Hey, Dave. Uh, Richard Bradshaw is here. What's up, Richard? Hey, Richard. Uh, Steve, the joke teller. Oh, <laughs> uh, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Steve. Uh, Michelle Brown is here. Hey, hey Michelle. Michelle. Uh, you're not late, Michelle. You are exactly on time right on whenever time. you get here, honey. Um, yeah, Jeff, Jeffrey, Jeff says it was fun, even though I wasn't there long. Um, we, we stayed longer than we, as is always the way. Always. And by the way, we do virtual meetups. If you're a member of the TPS Report Locals channel, if you're watching on Rumble, you can hit the join button at the top there, which will take you right to the Rumble, to the Locals, sorry. You can be a free member or you can become a show supporter and show supporters get extra, extra content and and uh, Zoom meetups. We do boozy Zoom meetups with our show supporters and uh, they're a lot of fun. So if you want to come along to one of those, become a supporter and uh, we will appreciate it. Join us on the booze cruise. That's right. Katie Mannery is here. Hey, Katie. Good hey, to Katie. see you. Thank you for being here. Um, Lots to talk about tonight. So let's dig into it, shall we? Yes. And listen, there's some more Twitter file stuff, but we're not going to spend much time on that, believe it or not. There's a couple of key points I think we need to make that are very important, but it's not going to be the, the, it's not going to be a half hour segment like the others have been. We're going to start with, um, we're going to start with this though, Danielle, two parts to this story. Part number one, House Democrats introduced legislation to bar Donald Trump from office under the 14th amendment. 
And part number two, January 6th committee sends Department of Justice historic criminal referral of Trump over Capitol riot. Let's talk about this, first of all. Breaking news, criminal referrals for Trump, obstruction of an official proceeding, conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to make a false statement, you either make it or you don't, and uh, inciting or assisting an insurrection. Those were the criminal referrals today, Danielle, that the January 6th committee say they're going to be sending over to the Department of Justice recommending indictment of former President Donald Trump. <sighs> they're grasping at straws here, is what they're doing. And I'll tell you why. First of all, and extremely importantly, this is an illegitimate committee. First and foremost, it's a partisan witch hunt. We cannot forget that for the first time in history, the majority blocked the minority from the committee. And I know people are going to say, well, wait a second, uh, Cheney and Kinzinger are on the committee. But those were not the Republicans that were offered up for the committee. Uh, Jim Jordan and somebody else were supposed to be on the committee. Nancy Pelosi made the decision to block the Republican nominated members of the committee, and she handpicked her own. This is an illegitimate committee. It, in my opinion, it carries no, it has no authority whatsoever. Right. Secondly, these are simply criminal referrals. They're recommendations. These carry no weight on their face whatsoever. The Department of Justice can choose to do with these whatever they want. So let's talk about that. All of the... So the Democrats... I say Democrats because they were virtually... They were all... Democrats on this committee, including right. including Cheney, including Kinzinger. The Democrats promised today to, to present more evidence. And all they did was present a couple of videos that nobody had ever seen, but they didn't present any evidence of criminal action by the President of the United States. And that's important, criminal action. Because everything they have presented for criminal referral, Daniel, are based on what might have been. It's not based on what the president actually, or former president now, but it's not based on what President Trump at the time actually did. These are all based on, well, he sat in the Oval Office watching it on TV, and so... Obviously, obviously his crimes in, in that case, in which case his crimes are obvious to everyone. Right. Except they're not. That may be evidence of inaction, but inaction isn't a crime. Right. Okay. They're talking about he didn't make a phone call. 
pro in the in the buildup, knowing knowing that there were going to be protesters, he didn't call the National Guard, for example. I mean, somebody did, and Nancy Pelosi put a, a blocked it. Right. Uh, but they're saying it wasn't President Trump didn't do this. He didn't do that. He didn't do the other. He didn't send out any letters requesting help. He didn't do anything that he could have done to have avoided this. Okay. So what you're saying is he didn't do anything. Right. Inaction. That's all that is, is evidence of inaction. Conspiracy to defraud the U.S. and conspiracy to make a false statement and inciting or assisting in an insurrection. Those all come down to speech, Danielle. And listen, we can, we can look at Donald Trump's speech that he gave the morning of January 6th. And even if we ignore the last paragraph, which was march down to the Capitol and peacefully make your voices heard. Even if we ignore that, there's nothing that he said that would have incited direct action to violence. And that's important too. So while the DOJ could go ahead and decide to prosecute these, and they, they might even get lucky and be able to handpick their own jury in D.C., and they might even get a conviction. The appellate courts would have to overturn that conviction based on the case law of Brandenburg v. Ohio, which allows specifically for inciting speech right. under the First Amendment. The exception being if that incitement calls directly for violent action. Donald Trump never once called for direct violent action. Unlike the Democrats, who have many times told their supporters, get out there and accost them in the right, streets. Get in their faces, yes. Get in their faces and make sure they know they're not welcome here. That is a direct call to action, which is not protected under the First Amendment. But what Donald Trump did is, Brandenburg v. Ohio is very explicit in that. And the first appeals court that it goes to will have to overturn any conviction that the Department of Justice can drum up with a rigged jury. because And that's the only way they would get a conviction to begin with, is with a rigged jury. So I think there's a very good chance that the Department of Justice choose not to prosecute this. I think there's an even better chance that they don't make that clear for the next two years and that they leave it hanging right. over President Trump's head for the next two years. Or... And here's where I think they do have a chance at an indictment. This special prosecutor, special investigator, whatever it's called, that is now uh, doing the investigation for the Department of Justice regarding the Mar-a-Lago documents and some elements of January 6th. 
I actually think that has the potential of, of coming up with, put it this way, I think it has a better chance of being able to come up with indict, pardon me, indictments than this stuff from the January 6th committee. I'm not saying those indictments are, are any more prosecutable than these, right. uh, but I think that they have probably more of a, a chance under the dissemination of secrets, things like, you know, articles like that, than they do with any of these First Amendment issues that the January 6th committee have uh, have come up with. Obstruction of an official proceeding, that's off the table immediately because Trump himself personally didn't obstruct anything. He may not have acted fast enough to stop the riot, but that's that's not a criminal offense. Right. So this January 6th committee just spent about $80 million of our money to come up with four recommendations that are dead in the water to begin with and are going absolutely nowhere. So be sure to send your... Um, to be sure to send an email or a tweet to the members of that committee and thank them for the colossal waste of fucking money while we're struggling to... Have you looked at your natural gas bills lately, folks? It's been pretty... Yes. Mi- in Georgia here, it's been pretty mild so far this winter, and my bills are already 50% higher than the worst bill from last year. My bills, I think my natural gas bills are going to be triple, quite frankly, this year in the coldest months. We're dealing with that while Democrats are wasting 70, 80 million dollars on these hearings to come up with with this just absolute bullshit. Now, the media are going to run with this, obviously, because they're going to want to hold it over Donald Trump's head while he runs for office. They're, you know, they're going to. um, Right. They're going to they're going to want to uh, paint this as a guaranteed conviction. It's going to be under investigation. Yes. And they're going to want to paint it as, oh, these are guaranteed. If if they actually indict, he's going to prison. Right. Guys, none of these are indictable. There's not a there is not a lawyer in the country that would want to go to court with these charges based on the evidence that the January 6th committee gave to them because it's all speculation and every bit of what Donald Trump did is protected by virtue of Brandenburg. So let's talk about this. This may have some legs now. Assuming two two parts to this, Danielle. They got the conviction for criminal seditious conspiracy. And that's all Democrats were waiting for to be able to right. run with this, to be able to, in, to to be able to introduce this legislation and try to use the 14th Amendment. They needed a insurrection. Up until now, you could argue, you could still argue, quite frankly, that it was a riot. It got out of hand. You know? Um Somebody, somebody, uh, I was watching, uh, what was I watching? I was watching a debate earlier today with Jordan Peterson. 
and uh, no, it wasn't. It was uh, it was the brush fire mind this morning, and one of the commenters in the chat on Twitch, because Chris was saying they were illegal alien invaders, and the guy said, "Well, you can't be, uh, you can't invade if you don't have guns." And you know, Chris Chris brought up Fast and Furious. I was more thinking along the lines that that guy who said that must then agree that January 6th was no insurrection because there were no guns involved. The only people that had guns that day were the government. So by his logic, no insurrection took place. But these guys, these Democrats, they needed a conviction for insurrection. Seditious conspiracy is what they got, which is a big deal in order to lend credibility to this claim. If the Justice Department sit on those criminal referrals and don't and say, listen, we're still investigating, we're, we're going to let our investigation continue with the special prosecutor. So it may be a while before we let you know if we're going to indict on all these. That plays into the Democrats' hands here because that will remain looming over President Trump's head. Because if the Justice Department immediately turn around and say, no, this is bullshit, there's nothing, nothing even remotely prosecutable here, right. it kills this. Right. If there's one thing we know about the, about the Justice Department, they are Democrat shills. And they will do whatever they can to make sure that Donald Trump is as damaged as he can possibly be. And they're not going to want to hurt this. That's right. another yet another reason I think the Justice Department is going to sit on those indictments for the next two years to allow this to move forward. Well, they're going to have to do this quickly because they lose control of um, Congress soon. Right. So they're going to have to pass this legislation now as quickly as they can. And then work on trying to get it through the Senate after the break. And um, that will be a lot easier for them because they have a one-seat majority in the Senate. Don't know, don't know if they can eliminate the filibuster to pass this thing in the Senate. But they need those indictments looming over Trump's head in order to do it. Right. We know that obviously the Republicans are going to disband any congressional committees looking into January 6th. Nothing they can do about the Justice Department uh, investigations, though. They're going to keep going. Right. So I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with that legislation. I don't know. Preventing him from running under the 14th Amendment? You think they have the votes to get it through? I don't know if they can. I, I don't know if it's... Uh, I don't know if they can use the nuclear option on this or whether it's it has to be done under the regular rules. So I'm not sure. Right. I can't answer that question. If it can be done under, if they can just by, bypass the filibuster, yeah, they'll get it done. Simple as that, because they'll vote. I don't know if legislation can, uh, maybe Diamond Dave knows. I'm not sure if legislation can carry over session to session, i.e. they pass it in the House now and then convene the new session in January and vote on it in the Senate. I'm not sure if they can do that federally. Right. Or if it dies. Or if it dies and has to be reintroduced in the House. I'm not sure. Um, but I imagine they can. 
Imagine the House can pass it under this Congress, and then the Senate can take it up under the next Congress when Democrats have a clear advantage in the Senate. And that's what they're going to try to do, obviously. Whether the rules allow for it, I don't know. It kind of makes sense that they can't, though. They make the rules, Danielle. Right now, they can contr- oh. they control Congress. They can make the rule that, that says, okay, this legislation can be taken up by the Senate in the next session. And then in the next session, when the Senate own, con- own the Senate, when Democrats own the Senate, they can say, okay, yeah, we'll ratify that rule. You know what I mean? Right. Who knows? They, they're good at shady shit. That's what we do know about the uh, Democrat Party. They are remarkably good at shady stuff. So I guess we'll see. Um, if conspiracy to make a false statement is a crime, the entire Democrat Party should be in federal prison. Yeah. And quite frankly, a lot of Republicans. Right. I mean, yeah. they all politicians lie. That's that's their job seemingly is to lie. look at look at adam schiff he's made an absolute career out of lying he's still doing it this week he's out there lying on tv every fucking day we now got ted lieu on twitter by the way interesting story i got my twitter verification badge on friday evening then i called ted lieu half a tard which honestly is a compliment because he really is he's a full-on tard yeah, that's half a compliment. Yes, 100%. And the next morning, my blue verification badge had been taken away. <laughs> and I let's paid be for clear. that fucking thing. Yeah, you paid for that. You bought that, and they said, nope, it's not worth the $8. Yeah, yeah, and they're like, no. How long did it take them to decide to give you that from when you applied for it? Five, five, six days. Yeah, so they're like, okay, so maybe, maybe he really wants this and he'll rein it in. So they debated, went back and forth, probably went to some people and they're like, all right, obviously he's willing to pay for this. He's gonna, nope. Yeah. Dave, Diamond Dave makes a good point there, by the way, unless a federal appeals court reverses the sedition. If you look at the conviction they got and the evidence it was based on, I think there's actually a very good chance it gets overturned on appeal but they're not going to allow it to come up for appeal until they're done with this 14th amendment legislation. And, um, they're going to drag because all of these pieces, they have to come together for the Democrats to get their way here. And again, if there's one thing we know about the justice department, they're Democrat shills. Right. And Dave says, that's what I was thinking. Bills expire at the end of the Congress. Uh, yeah, In but which here's it was proposed. That's fine, but here's my question. If the if the I'm not saying that it didn't get passed. I'm saying that if it's passed by by the the house does it still expire? Or can it yes. then be taken up by the next session in the Senate? They're two separate houses, remember. Yeah, but that's the Congress. It's the whole Congress. Okay, I wouldn't say yes definitively because on the state level, you can do this. I just don't know if you can do it on the federal level. On some state levels anyway, not all states. Your state rules may vary. Um, I just don't know if you can. I'm hoping you're right. I hope you're right because that means that regardless of whether, because if they pass it in the House right now, it's never going to pass in the Senate. Right. Um. I hope you're right. We shall see. I hope you're right.
Anyway, that's all that nonsense. Oh, no, it isn't. Is We've Dave? got, uh, yeah, it is. Um, Dave, hold on one second. I got to get this. I haven't set up the, uh, because I'm an idiot. I haven't set up the phone to the mixer. Bear with me one second, brother. Let me go connect. And we should have Diamond Dave on the line. What's up, brother? Dave, you there? I'm here. There you go. What's hey, honey, up? honey. Hi, <laughs> kid. Yeah, it's my understanding that, uh, you know, there's several ways bills can expire. You know, you got the 10 days, really, only after one house passes it anyway, right? But if 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 it's passed by the House and it doesn't make it through the Senate, and the and, and the Congress turns over to the new Congress, which is going to happen, um, you know, uh, at the beginning of the year, then as long as it's not signed by the president yet, it dies. Okay. All right. Well, that's that's good to know. That's my understanding. Yeah. All right. Good. Good. We had Larry Cox trying to call in there as well because I'm guessing Larry had the the exact same answer. But that's good. That's actually and good news. I could be wrong. Larry, Larry probably knows much better than I do. But that that's my that's always been my understanding. And just real quick, that other guy you were looking for was Jim Banks out of Indiana. Thank you. Uh, him and him and Jim Jordan from Ohio were picked by McCarthy to represent right. in that in those hearings, and they just went, "Yeah, no, fuck off." Yeah, Nancy and said, they, nope. and they put they put the two rhinos in there. That's right. Yep. All right, brother. Thank you, man. Let's see if Dave, let's see if Larry's going to call back. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate yeah, it, man. According to yep. Norton.house.gov, if either chamber call does in, Larry. not pass... Go ahead. Is I'm Larry sorry, there? Danielle. Yeah, I just told him to call in. Oh, sorry. Uh, well, yeah, if either doesn't pass it, then it dies. But I guess this doesn't specify at the end of... I gotcha. Hey, man, what's going on? Oh, hold on. Hang on, hang on. It's still not. So there you go. Now you should be. On. You're on the air. Mark. There's Tucker. Hey, there's, there's Tucker Cox. That was that was Molly. But was I, the oh, Tucker, Tucker's under the blanket. He's under the blanket watching. Uh, it's too cold. Sleeping during Hallmark it's, movies. Yeah, it's yeah. it's too cold for Tucker Cox. Yeah. So what's going? Yeah. What? Um, Dave. Dave just said that uh, it it would die, and I'm I'm guessing you're going to confirm it. I'm, I'm confirming that because if it doesn't pass in the, in the house in that two-year session, and it becomes a new Congress, it's just like the Georgia rules. I mean, in our legislature, yep. if, if 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 something doesn't pass during that legislative session, it does not carry to the new legislative session. Okay, so well, they that... have a two-year cycle. They have a two-year cycle. Just. I got you, Larry's. Uh, we lost him there for a second. Thanks, Larry. I, uh, thanks, Larry. I got you. Um, which is good news for President Trump. Uh, it means that this legislation has very little chance of passage, right. which technically could mean that the Department of Justice may just turn around and say, no, those aren't indictable offenses or they're not prosecutable offenses. There's no way we could get convictions on those and just let it die and let the election play out fairly. But they're not going to do that. And even if they do, it's going to be Russiagate all over again. We're still hearing about Russiagate. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, People we are. People do not care about the truth. Adam Schiff still insisting that Russia, Russia, Russia was a thing, thing, thing. 
it wasn't. Let's talk about, I'm not going to talk about part six, I don't think, because quite frankly, part seven of the Twitter files was really a bit of repetition of part six. And part seven was so much more interesting, Danielle. Yes. Um, we're not going to talk about all of them. There's a couple of key parts I want to get into. Uh, primarily, the way that uh, this was um, Michael Schellenberger, the way he laid out how the FBI interfered with the election. Because for lack of a better term, that's exactly what they did. You know, remember when they went to Facebook and Zuckerberg was being interviewed and, and basically said, yeah, well, they didn't tell us specifically that it was Hunter Biden, but they dropped enough hints. Yes. They did the exact same thing with Twitter. Um, Yoel Roth in one of his emails said, you know, we've been told to be on the lookout for this. And they dropped a number of hints it was going to be related to Hunter Biden. So the FBI, who knew about this laptop, they knew it was genuine. Or had they done an hour's worth of work, they would have known it was genuine because they went to the shop. They picked up the laptop. The guy had a hard drive copy of it, which he offered them. And they say, they said, we don't want that. Remember even the FBI yes. didn't want the fucking yes. hard drive. So they knew that it wasn't hacked. They knew for a fact that Hunter Biden had dropped it off there. They all had copies of the work order. There's, there's copies of the work order here, by the way, they had copies of the work order that was signed by, uh, wait, that isn't it. Is it? Somewhere in here is a copy of the work order that was signed by Hunter Biden. Jim Baker at Twitter had a copy of the work order that was signed by Hunter Biden. And yet Jim Baker was still pushing the narrative inside of Twitter that this was hacked. Well, Jim Baker, remember, Twitter's legal counsel is a yes. former FBI guy. He's doing the bidding of his FBI buddies. His FBI buddies want to protect they're Democrat benefactors, and they're telling Jim Baker, listen, man, you got to convince these people to block this story. So fuck it. Tell them, tell them it was hacked. Inside of Twitter, people were, even Yoel Roth was raising questions. How, how do we justify this based on our hacked documents policies when there's absolutely no evidence that is, this was hacked? Right. But, but the FBI and Jim Baker were able to convince Twitter to put the kibosh on this, um, to put the kibosh on this story. Story, yep. Which absolutely had the potential to affect the outcome of the 2020 election. I say absolutely had the potential because we don't know whether it would. What we do know is that through polling, it would have changed people's votes or it may have changed people's votes according to their um according to their answers to the polls but the fbi jumped through a lot of hoops danielle pushing and prodding twitter on foreign election interference talk again talk compare going back to 2016 and saying we're seeing a lot of this stuff from russia yet twitter aren't seeing it twitter right. aren't seeing any of this stuff and because Twitter are providing, in their defense, providing a little bit of pushback to the FBI this time around, the FBI are getting pissy. 
I want to jump down to one of these. Because the FBI are getting stroppy, Danielle. Are they really? Oh, yeah. Um, actually, I'll get to it in a minute. Before we get to it, I want to take a look at this. These, th this is, um, let me escape out of that and let's read the tweet. As of 2020, there were so many former FBI employees or what were referred to as BU alumni for some reason working at Twitter that they had created their own private Slack channel and a crib sheet to onboard new FBI arrivals. The revolving door between the FBI and Twitter was, was so open open you can't open a revolving door but you get what i'm saying right yes it was so accessible that the the former feds created their own little onboarding process for for other narcs to come over to twitter danielle if you can Jesus. believe that absolutely amazing efforts to influence uh Twitter's Joel Roth in September, whatever. He was, Roth was going to all these meetings. The FBI were convincing them there was a hack and dump coming, i.e. materials were hacked and then dumped on social media. Ella, right. Ella, um, uh, what's his name? The, the Swedish guy in the British, in the uh, Venezuelan embassy. What's his name? You hate him. The rapist. Oh, Assange. Yeah, Julian Assange. Thank you. Ally WikiLeaks. That's it. Yes. A hack and dump. And they were doing this because so what the FBI couldn't do was just plain flat out lie. Right? They couldn't say, hey, this Hunter Biden stuff's going to be a, a foreign, a foreign interference hack and dump. Right. They can't say that because that that would be criminal. And so they laid the groundwork to convince Twitter without saying it to convince Twitter that this was a hack and dump to get Twitter to suppress this story. Every bit of this was absolutely 100% intentional by the FBI. And that should scare every single one of us, to be honest with you. But let's look at, I need number 47. Because this one's quite telling. And the pressure from the FBI on social media platforms continues. Remember, Danielle, we've speculated that this if this is happening at Twitter, it's happening everywhere. Right. We have confirmation of that now in the form of this. This is an email by a remarkably, this is from Joel Roth or, or one of the Twitter team explaining communications that they've had with a pissed off FBI, right? A little pissy the FBI are getting with Twitter. Team, I had an advanced prep call today with Redacted of the FBI for your September 6th meeting with them. Here are some key takeaways. Attending on the FBI's side will be blah, 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 plus people from NTALK and perhaps others from violent crimes at HQ. Their goal in the meeting is to convince us to produce on more FBI EDRs. I, don't, I can't, I, 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 we've seen what EDR means in previous Twitter dumps. I, it's where the, 
FBI send recommendations for takedowns is what an EDR is, Danielle. Right. They want it. They want Twitter to act on more of them. They will try to do this by having NTOC educate us on the threats they are seeing, their procedures and processes for responding to tips, and what their standards are for when they seek EDRs. They plan on bringing statistics on our rate of compliance, which they labeled variable. And several forehead knockers, i.e. situations wherein the FBI view there is no reason that we would not have complied. They repeatedly emphasized Twitter's lower level of compliance in comparison with other platforms. There's the admission from... Now, granted... This is secondhand information. Right. This is a Twitter employee relaying what the FBI communicated to him or her. I don't know who this employee is. But that the FBI are bitching that Twitter isn't as responsive as the other platforms. We know that YouTube are one of those platforms. We know that I've been highly critical of the FBI. Right. I'm waiting. I'm just waiting. I said to Danielle, I'm a little disappointed that TPS report hasn't shown up in one of these, uh, one of these fucking document dumps by now. But I've been, listen, I like, I've, I, I'm a staunch defender of the FBI until recently. When it comes to investigating crimes, actual fucking crimes by actual criminals, there is no one better on the planet than the Federal Bureau of Investigation. But they're spending their time. No, there's no one better at it, Danielle. Did you say Bureau? Bureau. If I said Bureau. I, I, I thought you were making a joke. Like, never mind. Sorry. Okay. Now you threw me off with that face. The know, Federal Bureau, Bureau of Investigations. There's quite frankly no one better. But they're wasting their time and our money going after people that have never committed a criminal act in their lives. Going after people on Twitter for spicy memes. Going after the New York Post for sharing a story a legitimate news story. How much of our money are they spending doing this? You might ask Danielle. You might ask Danielle. I, I do ask. I thought you were going to just tell me. <laughs> well, I don't know, Alex. How much of our money are they spending doing this? This is from... Uh... <sighs> Who is this from? This is from somebody at the FBI. It looks like it's been redacted. Jim B. FBI emails. This came from Jim, Jim Baker's emails. Uh, Jim, FYI, in 2019, Scale instituted a reimbursement program for our legal process response from the FBI. Uh, prior to the start of the program, Twitter chose not to collect under this statutory right of reimbursement for the time spent processing requests from the FBI. I'm happy to report that we have actually collected 
we have collected $3.4 million since October of 2019. This money is used by LP for things like the TTR and other LE-related projects, LE training, tooling, etc. This is Twitter collecting three, almost $3.5 million from the FBI, i.e. from the taxpayers, for complying with FBI's non-criminal takedown requests. Non-criminal censorship of U.S. citizens. Non-criminal civil rights violations of American citizens. And they're paying Twitter for complying with those. Three and a half million of our dollars. That is a drop in the bucket compared to the, there is now an 80-80 man, according to this recent dump, there is an 80-man FBI team liaising with social media, Danielle. 80 people. Imagine how much that costs with salaries and benefits and uh, uh, travel expenses because they're all going to these weekly meetings. Now, I imagine most of them are by Zoom, but we know there's travel expenses and shit involved here. We're talking tens, right. tens and tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars every year that the FBI are spending to operate domestically to censor Americans and violate their First Amendment rights. Yeah, they're spending our money to violate our rights. This is not the job of the FBI. I don't know that they're ever going to learn that and try to fix this and stop it happening again. But this is not the job of the FBI. They need to start doing their fucking job. Then, Danielle, we have this. So the Twitter files came, the Twitter dumps, and the FBI are getting a bit more scrutiny than normal. And now Democrats are concerned that their little censorship machine is going to dry up. So Democrats wrote a letter to Facebook to warn them that if they, if Facebook don't keep up the censorship efforts, they're going to face oversight from Congress. <laughs> With the restoration of free speech protections on Twitter, panic has grown on the left that its control over social media could come to an end. Now, some of the greatest advocates of censorship in Congress are specifically warning Facebook not to follow Twitter in restoring speech to its platform. Look who headed this letter. Adam Schiff. Fucking a day. Of course, Adam Schiff was on this letter. Andre Carlson, Kathy Castor, and Sheldon Whitehouse. Facebook was given a not-so-subtle threat that reducing its infamous censorship system will invite congressional action. Now we have members of Congress using our taxpayer money to threaten a private company into violating our First Amendment rights and violate our civil liberties. And people say your First Amendment doesn't, doesn't apply on social media. Right. The revolving door between government and social media is wide open. 
the, again, this is a tacit admission, or or as um, what's his knob up in Minnesota would say, tacit admission. What was his name? Uh, Brooks, Daryl Brooks, Daryl Brooks. Oh. He would always say, "Is this, Your Honor, is this a tacit agreement?" And I'm I'm watching. I'm is yelling. That what he was trying yeah, to say? I'm yelling at the screen. Tacit. I'm yelling at the screen. Tacit agreement dude tacit agreement yeah he's trying to be all smart and he's calling it a tacit agreement the judge even said one time hey, hang Mr. On. wait 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 let's be clear that was wisconsin not minnesota oh was it that uh, wisconsin okay yes. i can't even yes. i can't speak like a wisconsinian why well, whatever they are what are they called doesn't matter but the judge even yes, said please. the judge even said very sarcastically at one time mr brooks i don't know what a tacit agreement is <laughs> She was just being a smart ass, and I thought it was humorous. Um, that is funny. But this is a tacit admission from the federal government that they do, in fact, direct censorship on social media, which absolutely makes it a First Amendment issue. And so, again, I tell you, if a leftist ever says to you, your First Amendment uh, privileges don't extend to social media. Either punch them in the fucking face or point them towards these stories and see if they right. have common sense enough to realize, yes, it does. Let's wade into the tranny minefield, Danielle. Let's wade back in because we've been covering this story for years. Yeah. Hey, Tim Wade's here. What's up, brother? Good to see you. Hey, Tim. Yeah, let's let's wade into the tranny minefield. Uh, court rules in favor of trans Connecticut boys beating girls in track. First thing I want to say about this, Danielle, is that there will never be a track and field record held by a traditional woman ever again in this jurisdiction. And you probably don't remember this, but you said the exact same thing when we covered this story when it was happening. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. So this this story actually happened years ago. These kids are all out of. This was in high school. They're all out of school now. Um, but yeah. So these biological males who identified as female were competing in track and field against. Uh, sorry, events against um, biological females and the females and their families sued. This organization sued on their behalf and said that these girls were losing out on um, college scholarship opportunities, right. that they were being knocked out of the, so these biological males were knocking them out of placement to run in state championship meets that would have availed them of opportunities for college scholarships. Right. So they didn't get those opportunities because they had to run against these okay. boys. Well, they won initially. Right. But an appeals court this week said, no, you didn't go ahead. Did they win or did the court just say, well, they're not, the boys aren't competing in college. So it doesn't matter. I thought they did. Anyway, go ahead. Well, they must have won because the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled yesterday 
not yesterday, this would have been, I think, Thursday, that barring trans athletes would, in fact, be a violation of Title IX, supporting a ruling by a lower court that had found against the plaintiffs for a different reason. Um, yeah, that's it. Barring now a Supreme Court hearing, that's it. And it, I don't know if there are I don't know if there are competing lawsuits out there, Danielle, that would trigger a uh, uh, Supreme Court, an automatic Supreme Court hearing. But this is one of those issues. I don't know with this most recent Supreme Court, I don't know that they would necessarily be hesitant to take this up. I mean, they, they threw out Roe v. Wade, right? So maybe they well, would be willing to hear this, but... Um, We've seen this court address, um, there was an issue with, How did that... I want to say it had something to do, it was a, um, a workplace issue, and it was either a, it had something to do with a transgender person wanting to present as transgender in the workplace, or it had to do with um, how they were dressing in the workplace, that okay. somebody wanted to dress in like traditional male garb and they were biologically female, but either way the Supreme court weighed in on that and said that the person's um, identity or gender of choice had to be respected, but that that had nothing. To, and they specifically said that that would not have any reflection or bearing on sports, right. that that was specifically about workplace issues. So I felt like, and I think you and I talked about it, that they were sort of laying the groundwork to address a case like this. I don't know if we I, did I, I'm or not. I don't remember. I don't know. Yeah. But transgender athletes in Connecticut and their advocates secured a victory on Friday when an appeals court ruled that the Connecticut Interscholastic Athletic Conference may move forward with a policy that allows transgender girls to compete on female sports teams. The three-judge panel of the Second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals affirmed that discrimination against transgender students violates Title IX, which prevents educational institutions that receive federal funding from discriminating based on sex. I'll tell you what I think this do. I think this uh, actually destroys Title IX. Title IX is no longer about equality. Title IX is now about identity. Equality be damned. And um, if you're a dude in Connecticut, you can now strap on a dress, call yourself Shirley, and go beat all the women's records, and the courts have got you back. And we knew this when they changed the verbiage in Title IX. We talked about this, that they were gutting Title IX and ending women's sports. And that's when that fucking cunt soccer player said, oh, it's just a game. Yeah. That's yeah. what she said that about. What was that bitch's uh, lady's name? The American football player with the purple hair. Dave, what's her name? Yeah. I don't remember. I don't care. American soccer player. We don't have to pretend to give a shit about soccer anymore. By the way, that's all over and done with for another four years, which is nice. It's very nice. Although an interesting story broke over the weekend. Not that anyone, you know, what? I'm not, 
Qatar admitted that they were bribed effectively. Let's talk Bacon's about- Bacon's here. I, hey, Bacon. Hey, Bacon. Let's talk real quick. Let's wrap up on this because I think this is important. Whether, um, whether uh, yeah, Megan Rapinoe. Thank you. Rapinoe, yes. Megan something. Megan Rapinoe. iCloud. Apple rolled out. We talked about this last week. Apple rolled out end-to-end encryption for your iCloud account. I went ahead and did it on mine, and I can tell you it's a little bit of a faff. It's worth doing, but it's a bit faffy. And the controls they've given you are very clever. First of all, I'm right that in so much that if you enable this, Apple have no way to recover your account for you. If you somehow lose access to your account, you're fucked. If you're someone who is prone to forgetting your password, do not do this. However, if you're a reasonably competent human being in 2022, what it will require you to do is update all of your devices to the latest operating system which means older devices that don't support this latest OS have to be taken off your account. You have to delete them from your account. I don't know if you can add them back afterwards yet. I'm going to test that. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. So I updated all my devices that could be updated and I deleted the ones that couldn't, Danielle. And for me, it's worth it. I will sacrifice those devices for the added security, the added benefits that come with this iCloud encryption. So I deleted those off of my account. Once you've done that, you can enable what they call enhanced iCloud protection. And here's the beauty of it. Yes, you do get provided a recovery key. Those of you all that were listening last week, remember I compared it to a, a Windows, Microsoft Windows license key a long chain of letters and numbers. You do, in fact, get one of those, and you are, you're going to have to store that securely somewhere because you may need it. I say may because Apple cleverly have added another method of account recovery to this that I've never seen before but is really clever. It's an account recovery buddy. You can add a family member or a close friend as a contact who will be able to initiate account recovery on your behalf. They don't need any kind of passwords. They don't need any kind of codes. All you do is pick their name. When, when you're asked to pick a buddy, you start typing in there, assuming they're in your contacts. You start typing their name. You pick them. They receive a notification that, oh, you know, Alex wants to add you as his account recovery buddy. And all they say is, okay. Then if it comes time that you've lost access to everything, you forgot your password for the 19th time, you, you, you initiate the account recovery process, at which point you can either enter your own recovery key or if you didn't save your recovery key, because many people won't, you can pro, pro, you can ask a friend, phone a friend, please. Phone a friend. Which will prompt your account recovery buddy to generate a recovery key on your behalf, 
They send it to you. You enter that. You've recovered your data. Your friend gets no access to your data whatsoever, Danielle. Your data is fully protected, fully encrypted still. Your friend has no access to it. They just act as an intermediary to provide you the recovery options that you need. It is remarkably clever, and it it does away with a lot of the concerns I had about it for most people initially. Right, yes. But I still say, if you're one of those people that is continually forgetting your password, not your phone password, your iCloud password. If you're always forgetting your iCloud password, don't even bother with this. Just leave your iCloud alone and let the FBI have unfettered access to it. Me, I've yeah. locked, my shit is locked up tighter than a duck's chuff. You know what the recovery buddy thing reminded me of was it's like having a porn buddy. You know, like when you fall out and you're like all fucking quadriplegic and shit and you can't get to your computer. You have that buddy that comes over and like deletes your porn so you don't get busted oh, with I, I like did. the midget. Okay, I yeah. see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a porn buddy, but different. Yeah. The the someone that'll help you bury the bodies, buddy. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. But the nice thing is they have no a good a good point of contact would be your attorney. A good recovery buddy would be your lawyer if you have right. an attorney. That right. would be a good choice. Um, because you want someone that isn't going to bend and break if they're hassled by the feds to give you up. You know what I mean? Yes. We're trying to break into his shit. Send us a recovery password. Right? Send us a recovery code. Or we're going right. to we'll, we'll put the cuffs on you, Muggsy. So your attorney would be a great right. uh, a great source. Listen, I'm not saying that people have anything to hide, but in this day and age, you don't need... The FBI have proven you don't have to have anything to hide for them to persecute you, for them to come after you. They're going after you on Twitter. They're going after you on Facebook, on YouTube. Doesn't matter whether you have anything to hide. They're asking Twitter... We didn't get into it, Danielle, but they're asking Twitter for location data on Twitter users without a warrant. They're not provide they're just saying, "Oh, send us whatever you're comfortable sending," including location data. Right. And Twitter were happy to comply. Oh, yeah, okay. Sure. Great. It's fucking amazing. Lock your shit down. That includes getting off of TikTok. TikTok yes. is TikTok is one of the worst. But in TikTok's case, you're giving all that information to the communists. By choice. By choice. Selling your kids' futures. By choice. All right. We're out of time. Yeah. I've been yelling a lot I, tonight. Hey. No show Thursday, right? Um Oh yeah, no, that's right. We have uh yeah, we have a prior engagement Thursday, so we know we won't be doing a show Thursday. So yeah, we will not be doing a show Thursday, but keep your eyes open. We'll likely be oot in a boot doing We'll some probably things. go live from somewhere, yeah. Yeah, and then we'll be back next Monday for sure. So y'all, we love you. We appreciate you. We'll be out and about, but Merry Christmas, and uh, we'll see you out there. Merry Christmas, guys. See ya.